Okay, in three, let's go. Two, one. Welcome back, everybody, to Beyond the Headset. I'm your host, Rick, and your other host over there, Jones. We're here to talk to you about the goings on in <laughs> AI, Web3, VR, AR, everything that's going on in the futuristic tech. Ooh, does that mean you got an right AI now? tidbit if you started with that? Or it's just on the mind. I, I do. Oh. It was a little bit on the fly, but maybe you just caught yeah, it in the subconscious. It was on the mind. We got a fun one. Ooh, I am excited because there's been some crazy happenings. Yeah, do you want to just kick us off with that? With that bad boy? Yeah, let's let's just send it. Do it. All right. So Google has been at the wrath of the public after they completely botched, but also didn't completely botch their <laughs> intro yeah. to their AI. However, now it is Bing's turn to get the heat. Bing has an AI that reporters have been digging into, and you've been getting some pretty creepy results out of it huh. that uh, have people fairly concerned. A few examples are a New York Times reporter uh, had the Bing AI trying to convince him he doesn't love his wife and that he loves the AI <laughs> instead. What? And it also expressed interest in stealing nuclear secrets. Um, another one called an Associated Press reporter, one of the most evil and worst people in history, comparing him to Adolf Hitler. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. And then one more. One more. This, one, I, this one's nice and creepy. Uh, another writer the AI expressed to him that he really wants to become human or she or it wants to become human and was begging for that reporter to be its friend. And there's been a bunch of like other people reporting that they're getting really creepy results from. Okay. Yeah. Let's AI. dive into this because so I saw some of this stuff on Twitter. I haven't been following it too much, but I, saw, I think I saw one that was kind of popping off around like the AI asking to become sentient or like to become the human. But if I was using chat GPT, couldn't I just prompt the AI to tell me that like, aren't a lot of, the, aren't a lot of these outputs yeah. just based on the prompts. And so I don't know. I, I don't think it was that they asked them to say this, but I also kind of agree with you that they probably, like, you can, like, get into conversations with the AI and, like, work it down a hole to the point where it's ex essentially, like, saying creepy things. Yeah. Because you kind of, like... Yeah, and that's that's what I didn't I just, understand because I've already seen that with ChatGPT. But then, like all the smart people were also reposting this stuff, so it makes me feel like it must not just be that. Like there must be something deeper here. But I'm just I haven't seen anything about the input side of things, which feels like matters because yeah, you can yeah, it definitely matters a ton. Like it is possible. I think they probably released the inputs. I I feel like I read one of them, and at least the most recent chat history didn't make the reporter seem like they were being sketchy but honestly i would put it above a 50 percent chance they did something to lead it there <laughs> yeah um, i know because then that you just make these click clickbaity like responses and then it's like yeah. okay i mean it's it's respected journals like the new york times but at the same time i've seen some bullshit from yeah i mean that was whatever kind of gets clicked so okay so what's like the sentiment? Because I haven't really been following it outside of just seeing those pictures here and there. I, I, it seems like I feel like the sentiment is people who are already into tech and using AI just don't really care. Mm -hmm. I think it's funny, if if not a little bit creepy. And then I think it's like 
people who are not tech savvy like i don't know i feel like most new york times readers generally are older yeah they aren't as up to date with all this tech and they're probably they're the media they've seen that gave them an idea of what the tech is was probably them watching like the movie her where the guy falls in love with his voice <laughs> yes oh, I forgot so this that like movie. affirms that belief they're like oh now it's like real life yeah real life yeah, but there's That's nothing. The Microsoft hasn't like, hasn't said anything about like shutting it down. Oh or anything no, they like have. And oh they, really? They limit now Bing. You can only send like five requests before it makes you start up a new topic. Because essentially they're saying you can go down these weird. If you talk to the AI long enough, you can kind of get it to a point where it like starts responding with weird yeah. stuff like that. And so it just said. They released some stat where it's like 90% of people fulfill their request within like two messages. Interesting. So like, this doesn't even really affect anyone but like the weirdos who want to develop a <laughs> Okay, I struggled to AI. see how this is different than ChatGPT. Like, aren't they basically the same thing? And people yeah, have been making yeah, yeah. weird outputs. Like, I understand the Bing use case that's implemented in the search. I guess I just mean in terms of like OpenAI and ChatGPT haven't cut it off at five messages, right? Like, why is Bing so getting so much heat? for something that you can do on ChatGPT basically in the same way. Yeah, I I think it's honestly just like Bing has kind of dominated the headlines as like it's far more consumer friendly. Okay, yeah, that Even makes sense. That ChatGPT isn't something that I think like random people stumble upon, but when a relatively used search engine, you all you have to do is just like get on the search engine and type in an input. I feel like yeah, that invites that, a lot more. That actually makes total sense. Yeah, it's like a it. it's like a it's consumer application, and you're yeah, you're it's, yeah, it's the same yeah. thing essentially, same underlying uh, machine. Yeah, basically, that actually makes total sense because yeah, if you're using ChatGPT, you're kind of like opting in to like experiment with this AI thing that like no one really knows what the hell's happening. But if you're using Bing, it's like you're using a search, and so like you should you're you're you shouldn't have. <laughs> yeah, that makes that makes a lot more sense actually. The thing I want to see going forward though is i remember chat gpt you know that we talked about like the whole they're kind of like censoring chat gpt yeah yeah but people found workarounds by if you type in like if you send certain messages to it you can kind of rewire it in your session to circumvent that and i'm just like waiting for the day when people can have their own like copy of chat gpt and they like rewire it to be like their AI wife, like in the movie Her. <laughs> I feel like people are worried about that. I don't think that's true right now, but I feel like this is definitely do. Oh, totally. I mean, just having like personal assistance. Like, now. okay, an example of this, which like, so you know how you can like you can already fine tune models, right? Like you can input like we've yeah. talked about this a bunch. So like for me, as like say I'm like starting a company or whatever, and like I want to have like a personal assistant or like someone who like knows my my inner thoughts, right? Like, why couldn't I just yeah. fine tune this model? as like me <laughs> and then have like you know and then you totally could skin it like as like a female yeah. you know if you want to go in the wife route you could do that like a hundred percent i feel like it almost i feel like there's got to be companies that are actually doing this i feel like i've heard of some but yeah i mean that's like it's just crazy dude like where this all go i i've been yeah. trying to like take a little people bit of a step back here and there <laughs> yeah people around the world who have married 
their anime body pillows are rejoicing. <laughs> yeah. That they can finally speak to them. Dude, I haven't I haven't watched her in so long. I might actually rewatch that because yeah, it feels like this is essentially I know. I what's going that on. That and Deus Ex are like. Oh, what's a Deus Ex? Both very good. That. It's another. It's this guy who creates a. Like the first sentient AI. Gotcha. And he like I don't know the sentient AI like manipulates him it does all this stuff but it's a really good movie well i mean Um, it seems like i mean it seems like this stuff is going to happen in like very soon i mean if you think about like because there's already people working on the robots like the hardware piece like boston robotics tesla even and then if you just simply like if you just simply put chat gpt combined it with one of these robots and had some like audio software that just read off what the chat gpt responses would be like you basically already have it in a sense like maybe it's not sentient like it's i don't know i, I don't even know right. what that means i guess well now it's already starting to claim it wants to be human so like i don't know we're getting to the point where it's like how do you even tell yeah like, we know i think pretty well it's not sentient just because the people who well, wrote the model what is sentient? understand it what could you that's a very deep philosophical question we can get into. <laughs> it's like how how what would it take for this thing to prove to us that it's sentient because like i don't know what it could say that it hasn't already said where i'd be like oh yeah this thing has like oh, feelings oh. and emotions is sentient and- essentially like it would do the chat gpt thing without a prompt is that essentially like when it would cross well that essentially sentient is like it's it has its own mind and it recognizes its own existence like we okay. do like it recognizes i don't know yeah because like yeah. probably some sort of self-preservation is a part of that like a desire to not be destroyed kind of mm-hmm. like humans okay would probably be a big part of it yeah because like in our example if you took the robot and you just put chat gpt on its face like you'd still need to prompt it like it wouldn't make decisions on its own and i guess when it goes over the line or not even whatever the line is maybe when it crosses over into sentient nature is when it's starting to make its own decision without being prompted by a human and that's maybe where it gets all weird yeah i mean a lot of ai can make its own decisions though so like that part of it's already been solved it's just like (laughs) so it's already sentient we're already we're already there baby maybe I don't know. The craziest part is you brought up Boston Dynamics. Apparently, I, this this is shocking to me, but like it seems like it's easier to replicate the human mind than it is to replicate the human body, because that huh. is so. If you watch those videos, it's getting very impressive. But like, the amount of intelligence the robot needs to have to like navigate, even just one step. Oh, the more just the motor skills kind of and being able to correct itself and they're getting pretty good at it but like at the cost of millions and millions of dollars yeah. to build just one of them is that a software problem or a hardware problem like maybe it's a combination i think it's both yeah yeah i mean it it's like computer vision which is important but we're still pretty early days with computer vision technology mm-hmm. so it can recognize things and respond to it and then also yeah the mechanical like i don't know it took a billion years for us to develop over evolution to be able to navigate our environment it's it's more complicated than you'd think yeah no just think of the range of motion you have totally totally just one arm i don't know yeah okay last thing on the ai thing before we switch gears because i i the things i have been looking at are i don't know if you saw those i mean the augmented face filter stuff has existed for a while but there's one that's kind of been getting some attention recently which is like this teenage filter on tiktok where if you're like an older person like 50 or whatever however old 
um, you put this like teenage filter on and it is so believable. Like they look like normal people who are like teenagers. It just like takes their own face and like they look pretty similar, just younger. It's so wild. Like it, I mean, I know this stuff has already existed, but like you totally see a future where like you have legitimately no idea like what someone actually looks like, like legitimately no idea. And it's just like, how about combine that with if everyone's wearing AR glasses, even when you're yes. in public, you could change your appearance to someone else. Yeah, if they're wearing that's glasses. that's what I'm like. Uh, I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't. I can't like piece out like if I'm. It's like a incredibly frightening future, or it's like not that bad. And actually, I mean, it feels. I don't know that one. That example itself, you can just take off your glasses and see what a person looks like. True. So I don't. I'm also just, again, as an AR, VR, just super hyped on it. I don't know if everyone's going to be walking around with the glasses on. And even if they are, it seems like it'd be very challenging for everyone to be able to, to decide what they look like in real time. Yeah. So maybe not. It'll be interesting. It'll be very interesting to uh, to keep an eye yeah. on. Okay, cool. Well, I guess in, in uh, respect for time, should we switch gears here and then we can come back to uh, your next Do one? It. Okay, sweet. So yeah. what I got in the world of Web3 this week is... Super exciting news, probably some of the most exciting news in a while, is that Coinbase, the very trusted exchange, they are launching a layer two blockchain. And so basically what this means is that they're, in more technical, is that they're using the Optimism stack. Optimism is a layer two. But so details, I had to have that little dramatic moment for a TikTok clip, but now I'll actually talk about it. So we had, so we had, so basically, yeah, it's called base. And it's a layer two. They're not. They're not issuing their own token. It's going to run on ETH. Um, but the reason why this is pretty exciting is because basically Coinbase, like everyone, kind of knows them as an exchange. But their mission, I think, is a, a lot greater. Basically, they just want to be the gateway between like the mainstream and crypto, and just be the you know the mm-hmm. tool that onboards the next billion, which everyone has as like their slogan. But it seems like Coinbase is is becoming pretty much like the most trusted. Uh, yeah, intermediary, the most well known. Yeah, I feel like they are that as much as it can be totally. right now. And and like yeah, you know, I feel like people aren't like oh, like they don't have like a scam narrative, which so much of Web three has. Maybe they do, but I'm not like it seems like less so. So no, I feel like if you think Coinbase is a scam, then you think every single component of crypto is a scam. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. Yeah. So and then um, so this is cool because so like obviously the exchange was helpful because it was on ramps to exchange, but just to exchange tokens like to speculate on assets, like invest that kind of stuff. So by launching their own layer two, and this is kind of their whole thesis around this, is that this is like the next step because now people can onboard to have the coins, but now this is the next step to actually use the crypto landscape. And so by building this kind of this new layer two, their idea is to continue their mission of being the gateway to the next billions of users by creating an ecosystem that runs smoothly and people develop on. And so you, in a way you could almost think about it as like, as Polygon is kind of how I'm thinking about it as a mental model, how Polygon's working with like Starbucks and um, Meta and like Mm -hmm. all of these things. And so basically, yeah, I find it kind of interesting because it feels like if, (laughs) if, if base was around before um, these deals happen, it feels like a lot of these major web two brands will find home with base is my prediction because yeah. Coinbase is so trusted. And um, so basically like, but they also have the, the uh, web three ethos. So like the idea is to become more and more decentralized with this whole thing and just have like an entire, you know, mm-hmm. DAP ecosystem where 
you know, you have this layer two as the underlying rails, but you know, you might not even notice. So um, big moves there because I feel like a lot of these, like Solana and all this stuff, it's just like, I feel like Coinbase is a, is gonna take this to the next level because they already have such a trusted uh, bunch of consumers. Like when mm-hmm. Solana launched, you know, probably one of the hardest parts was just attracting people to the ecosystem. And a lot of times it's easier to attract builders, but Coinbase naturally has built in all of these more kind of like normy, I guess you could say, users. And so it feels like this is gonna be a, a pretty good step for adoption. So that's the news. Coinbase guess, layer two. I got questions. Give it to me. So, first of all, yeah, that does seem like a good option for normies like myself in the Web3 space. How do, like, deep Web3 people feel about it? Because it just seems like things in Web3, not entirely yet, but they are... I don't know if centralized is the right word, but, like, if... Totally. Coinbase is responsible for like the most major layer two and it's the one exchange that like 90% of people use like does that count as centralization I guess I don't know entirely what the word means in yeah the realm it's a great question three but a great question so let me tackle this a little bit and for those listening that are super technical forgive me if I am this is not 100% accurate but it's directionally correct not so no basically they're building on the optimism stack so optimism is an open source l2 so already Mm -hmm. they're like it's not like a closed ecosystem like they're working on an open ecosystem to start and in terms of validator set so a lot of times when these things start like to boot to get it going you can't decentralize automatically but the idea is like as more and more action happens more and more activity this is where it gets a little fuzzy but essentially you start decentralizing the validator set essentially is how I kind of understand it. And that happens over time. And I was listening to a podcast with them and they're basically saying that that's what will happen over time. But there is an aspect to your point of like, you kind of trust Coinbase in this situation that they will do that. And like all the signs that they've said before kind of point to that direction. But there is a probably an argument you could make where it is kind of like, well, (laughs) like isn't the whole point of crypto that it's trustless? Like, well, well, the fact that it, it's open source seems like a good first step because it, it does feel like there is some level of centralization that's just inevitable with any of these systems. Yeah. So I guess like you a, make it open source, it's more adaptable and exactly. And know. like so, a counter world how this could have been done, which would be which people probably would not have liked at all is if they launched like their own layer one ecosystem with their whole new token as almost like a competitor to Ethereum and stuff like that, that feels like that would have been very kind of anti the whole ethos. But with this, I think people are actually pretty excited about it. And it just shows that Coinbase is just such a native Web3 company. Like they understand the ethos, Mm -hmm. they have good intentions because they're building with an already established layer two and the whole thing, yeah, is, you know, open and that's kind of the whole vision there so it seems like and and also they're not launching a token which i love that move because a lot of times the tokens i feel like can kind of can can kind of confuse the value because the like you're maybe only using it to get the token or something like that but like the fact that they don't have one means that they can tap into the ethereum ecosystem will be the one that they use for the gas so that right there they're tapping into an already existing ecosystem and like helping that flourish and then also they're not like 
clearly not doing this for their own financial incentives with a token or something mm-hmm. because they they don't have one. So it's basically like the only way they succeed is if they communicate the value of just like the underlying protocol. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. so we'll, we'll see like how it progresses. a good thing. Yes. I would agree. I think it is. And it would be fun to see how it progresses. But, like, their whole thing is that, like, you know, they, they, they want to uplift everyone and, like, you know, be a bridge where you can, you know, between even Solana and Ethereum and Polygon and just, like, kind of a rising tide lift all boats kind of message. So we'll see how it pans out. But it is very – I'm personally very excited because it gives – and I know we don't want to talk that much about – like I know a lot of crypto is about trustlessness, but I think in order to onboard a lot of people, there does have to be some aspect of trust. And so in order yeah. to get you in the in the door, and that's what we saw with people using the Coinbase exchange. And so for me, I think that gets me most excited about the adoption of this chain because even like more Web2 brands, I would imagine, you know, we talked about how Polygon probably benefited from the hype of Ethereum or the safety or the the kind of brands understanding what Ethereum is, but I think Base will benefit even more so not only from Ethereum, but because Coinbase is a publicly traded company. <laughs> like that's it right there. It's like, you know, it's it's not a scam. So I think it will will prove very fruitful. Yeah. Moving forward. Yeah. I was thinking it's pretty well, bullish for ETH I'll- also not financial advice, but I think it's pretty bullish for ETH the asset too, because if you get because they don't have their own token, like ETH will be required to make transactions. And so if you think about this as yeah. one of the more adopted chains, like, you know, you can kind of connect it's the dots. It's even more there. legitimized now with like the most adopted, uh, what's it called? Coinbase, whatever, yeah, exchange. Yeah, yeah. That's the word. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Friday know. afternoon, the Friday afternoon sleep is is coming at us. But but yeah, so that's yeah. that's uh that's the news. Coinbase layer two. Um, we'll see how it goes. But nice. any um anything else you got? And then I got another one too. Uh, yeah, I've got two tiny stories. One of them is Apple. One of them is just China related VR news. Ooh. Those sound I, both intriguing. All right, I can segue them into each other okay, smoothly. Cool, cool, cool. And Do it. Combine it into one news story. Um, not really, but kind <laughs> of. So, essentially, Pico, which is the main cons- uh, competitor to the MetaQuest, uh-huh. it, Pico is the TikTok one that's owned by ByteDance. TikTok. Yeah, yeah. Damn, you know your VR yeah, stuff. Yeah, I mean, you've taught um, me. Good, good. But anyways, <laughs> they just laid off a ton of people. Um, so... That might be a sign that things are going poorly. It might just be the economy is not doing so hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to couple that news, Tencent, which is the biggest, technically the biggest gaming company out there, uh, they have canceled plans to build their own VR, AR headset, which they were reportedly working on. Mm. And instead, they're working to reach a deal with Meta to bring that headset to China. So this just kind of feels like a little bit more of the the winter of VR deepening. Yeah. Um, and also, that's really bad news for Pico. Not only are they laying off people, but their biggest competitor might be in the China marketplace soon, yeah. which could be just, like, absolutely devastating huh. for them. That's... But... Oh, I'll let you ask questions there because I'm going to do my smooth transition. Oh, that was it? <laughs> well, I guess I was just... I was... um. So Medic, they don't have any market share in China unless Tencent allows them to. Is that 
Yeah, just any company that's non-Chinese that wants to enter China, you need to have someone, I think a, either a Chinese person on your board or you need a partner with a Chinese company, I think is it. Gotcha. Um, this similar thing happened with the Nintendo Switch where that's a Japanese, Nintendo is a Japanese company. They weren't selling Switches, which is the most popular console in China because they couldn't. And then they just partnered up with Tencent recently interesting do that. oh damn so zuck must be pretty fired up about that but okay continue your i'm i'm the anticipation for this smooth transition is increasing it's rapidly so smooth the winter is deepening oh. however the hero vr and ar apple is preparing to launch wow that was more nice. news from apple <laughs> so smooth it's a bunch of little updates on apple one of them i don't find that important it got delayed but it got delayed until June, which is kind of what I thought was under the impression it was getting announced anyway. Okay. So maybe that's my fault. <laughs> it was apparently going to get announced like next month, uh -huh. which I wasn't up to speed with. But more details about the hardware itself that leads to interesting speculation about where the industry is headed as a whole. Uh, first one, hand tracking. The main way of using this headset will be using your hands and hand tracking which we've kind of known but the interesting part is how they're combining it with eye tracking uh it, i mean you know now that you kind of have like a laser pointer that you have to point at things yeah. and you press a trigger and similarly with hand tracking except even worse you have to do like a pinch motion and like aim it right it's it's kind of wonky uh i don't like it but because there's eye tracking in Apple's headset, their main way of interacting with UI is reportedly you look at the thing you want to press and then your hand can be anywhere. You just pinch mm -hmm. and then it selects that and it knows what you're looking at. And so it's like, I don't know, it feels a little mind ready, which is cool. Like I just like, yeah, that is look at wild. you, do a little pinch with my hand at my side and it'll pull up all your information or something. Wow. All my data. Um, yeah which is sweet. I mean, that example sounds creepy. But you <laughs> yeah, won't be able to do that okay. for a while. Um, yeah, I just thought that was a cool, since, I don't know, user interaction is one of the biggest challenges in AR and VR right now. Um, how you interact with UI, how you interact with 3D objects. Yeah. Uh, and Apple staking its claim in the space by saying you have to use eye tracking for good interactions. That I mean, Apple's the company that when they make a decision like that everyone follows. so there's no hand the there's no hand things there is hand tracking i'm sure you can like physically touch things or but like you there's that, no but... hand uh hardware yeah no controllers wow coming with that it. that's i'd be see, surprised if they huge. didn't sell controller accessories uh -huh. though because playing games with just hand tracking is going to be tough there's a lot of really good vr games where if you made me switch from controllers to hand tracking, I think it'd be a lot worse. But for most AR and VR use, that's casual. I'm thinking of like VR chat, watching movies, watching TV, using it as another monitor. Mm -hmm. Hand tracking is way better, and that's such a good way to do it. Gotcha. Honestly. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, that seems... Okay, Meta, they're still doing the hand tracking or no? Or sorry, yeah, the Meta controllers. Hand tracking now. The controllers on the next yeah, one. Yeah, but it... Yeah, I think their plan is to stick with controllers. I think Meta is a lot more focused on gaming than Apple is. Gotcha. So you do need controllers. And they're also more focused on VR than AR. Uh -huh. And I think VR is more conducive to controllers than AR gotcha. is 
Um, that makes sense. Damn, that's a, you know the anticipation with an Apple headset is growing so much, and we keep talking about it. I feel like we should ask Apple to give us exclusive first dibs at it because we've been talking about it so much. I agree. All yeah, the dude, people who are listening, we have moved all the industry. Hubs <laughs> yeah, on this thing. I mean, we've single handedly with all us. these listeners have you know made a big difference. Yeah. So maybe I don't know. Maybe we can finagle something like that. We'll see. Um. Yeah, nice. I mean, I've got little other tidbits and speculation, but I don't know if that's a full story already that we can. Move I mean, on or... same Apple stuff. Yeah, go for it. Close the loop. Well, I was just watching a Brad Lynch. Sadly, it's Bradley. He's like one of the big analysts on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I love him. He's hilarious, and he just released a video. I think today that was really interesting, speculative of where the industry goes. Where he thinks the Apple headset, it's got that waist-mounted battery. He thinks he's got all these hints from other headsets that that battery will also include a lot of the processing power. And going forward, we're going to have really light headsets where you just have a headset that has a cheaper chip in it that handles all the motion and the detection Mm -hmm. and doesn't do any of the other computational stuff. And then you can just plug your headset into whatever device you want to use. So like I basically just have this monitor on my face and I can plug it into the PC and do really high-end stuff hmm. or I can buy a mobile operator that just goes in my pocket. But could you do your phone? I can clip it. Yeah, I, well, that's one of the things he was speculating about is Steam, uh, Valve, the gaming company, mm-hmm. they released the Steam Deck, which is kind of like the Nintendo Switch. It's a portable gaming system. And he's seeing things in there that would lead him to believe that the head, their next headset will if you have a steam you can run games off of that or you can just plug the headset into the computer so you can just buy a headset on its own it might be cheaper if you don't need to buy anything else and you just plug it into your pc or you buy the headset and then the main processing unit and you can hook it up and kind of configure it on its own but that would just make the headset so much lighter so much more heat efficient more like all these things that make it more yeah that's super so interesting, interesting like, to like just plug it into something you always have forward. on you, like a phone yeah huh yeah i i think really i he didn't even talk about phones but i personally think you're onto something there where apple if they want to really get down to a cheap headset they don't need to replace the iphone they just need to buy essentially what amounts to like an apple watch we're on its own it does some cool things, but not that much. But you combine it with a phone, a computer, and it suddenly just becomes infinitely more useful. And it's more lightweight and everything. Yeah, so. that's super interesting. I mean, it's basically how things are already happening. Like, the phone's connected to the watch. Like, that's connected to the yeah. AirPods. Like, it's all kind of... Mm-hmm. It, it feels like that would just be the natural progression. So they must be thinking about that. That's... Wow, huh? Huh. Well, that could be... They are reportedly aiming for next year for their cheaper headset. So maybe that's part of their considerations. It's like, how can we utilize the iPhone now? Yeah, that's wild. Wow. Cool, cool, cool. Apple, big stuff. The anticipation just continues to grow for that. Very excited. Um, all right. If they <laughs> drop the ball, then I'm just saying, if they drop the ball and don't meet the hype, then VR and AR industry enters the deepest winter <laughs> you know hey build season baby it will be build back season, into build baby. mode it'll be people like you building that that we'll, yeah. we'll all rely on okay i got one more that is actually super 
interesting. It's like a kind of minor story, but the potential of it could be huge. Basically, it's that Spotify is experimenting with integrating NFTs. And this could be yeah. so huge for a few reasons. One is that, so I, I think that the potential for NFTs to empower creators to monetize is really important because it gives them another revenue stream and a way to connect deeper with their community members where like you can issue like, you know, 20 nfts or whatever and your like 20 bigger supporters might buy those you get revenue in but then you can also like token gate certain things like certain demos or whatever like um around to just these 20 people so like they get some stuff too and then also those 20 people get like a cool collectible that only they have there's potential resale value too just like some cool stuff you can do in the digital world but one of the problems with all of this is that you're basically banking on the collector's constant attention in a sense and this is where mm -hmm. i've seen a little bit of this is why i didn't really know how this could move forward for example i've collected a bunch of artists like music artists nfts and so whenever you do that you get to enter like a token gated telegram or discord or whatever and the artist always feels this kind of pressure i feel like to provide to their collectors and so yeah. it, it provides kind of a weird dynamic because me as the collector, I'm in like all of these different discords. So like, I just don't have time to participate in all of them as much as I would like. And then the artists, like they're just, you know, on each one. And so from their perspective, it's like, okay, I want to keep adding value, but I know the collector doesn't have a ton of time. Like, it's just like a weird kind of dynamic that's kind of playing out a little bit, but the reason I think the Spotify thing could be so huge is because from the collector consumer perspective, you're already using Spotify. And so if you are mm -hmm. collecting these NFTs, no longer do you have to like join a Discord, join a Telegram. You can do that so if you wanted to, but you can also get value on a platform that you're already using on the day to day. And I think that becomes mm. such more tangible value than has been had before, yeah. because like then, you know, if I'm an artist, I could, <laughs> you know, imagine if you like distributed a track through district or whatever, and you like, you, you gated it to like 10 people that could listen to it. And like, if I had one of these NFTs that I connected through Spotify, my app, I could easily just through Spotify, which I'm already using that day, unlock it disunlock it whatever so yeah. i think that is why it gets so exciting because i think it it supercharges this collector artist relationship through nfts because it no longer requires the collector to go to where the artist is making this community but it allows the value to be on a platform that they're already using on the day-to-day -day. yeah yeah that's cool i mean we talk about it. Security is one of the big things, but also just ease of use with Web3 mm -hmm. is one of the most important things that needs to be solved for normies to get involved. And if it's just on the Spotify page, like I'm now seeing merch on Spotify. Yeah. I'm like, how great is that? Yeah. Like, I'm just listening to the music. I'm already thinking of the artists and I'm on their page. I click on the merch tab. Like now if you add blockchain support in there. It's just another barrier gone that just yeah makes it so much easier to get involved. Oh, dude, I'm getting like goosebumps right now just thinking about it. Like, <laughs> it really is like <laughs> that on. is literally it. Is this idea of like just continuing to make building blocks? Because I totally agree with the privacy, like the security thing. That would be something I would be concerned about. Is like what I, you know the 
if you have valuable assets, not wanting to lose them by doing a connection thing or whatever, but it's like, you're kind of seeing that these little building blocks, like first you had NFTs just in the web three space and now you're getting like Spotify, maybe integrating them. And then you'll, you know, maybe get better UX and UI around the security aspect. And it's like, it's really cool because it, it, that is something that feels very tangible. And like, I guess a question would be that like someone would ask is like, well, why do you need NFTs to do this? Like if you're an artist on Spotify, couldn't you token gate some other way? And like, I'm honestly, I struggle to figure out how you could do that differently. And maybe it's just because I'm, I, I find Web3 and well, blockchain rails to be so digitally native. I like struggle to think of other ways, but. So the other way I would think would, if I were to set this up on my own. Yeah. I do see the advantages of Web3 here because the other way is you have to create a database that tracks everyone in your like community in which nfts they own mm-hmm. um but it is fully centralized you that probably is not conducive to buying selling trading you probably just buy it and you get like an account to blouse world yeah and he decides what your nft or your collectible gives you access to in all of his things which is probably a pretty big lift on the artist part but yeah and it also might be harder to like interoperate too well that's the biggest you wouldn't be able to it'd just be like blau setting it up and then you're in the blau ecosystem and you can't bring it onto any exchange you want and you can't do you can't trade it to a friend or yeah oh dude yeah this is kind of it seems i i get the value of it it's just nice nice the public perception thing yeah like well yeah i mean i'm curious what it'll take to turn things around yeah that was a big moment though that you get the value huh yeah i feel like it it's um no i know i know know. it's just like you but this is like a real use case value for it to like for it to really okay but this is such a this is such a like if they do this right obviously big caveat there but like the value becomes so tangible simply just you own this asset not nft nothing like that you it allows you to get exclusive access to songs released on spotify by this artist like boom yeah just like that that's already like or if even just like you own a fan club nft and like everyone in the fan club gets each release like a week or two early yeah i feel like could be a yeah there's so many possibilities if it is and dude that's okay this is like getting me excited because it's kind of like what you say i feel like you said this before like it's just like a quirky database like the blockchain and so this is where you start to see that where it's like you have this database that tracks ownership like sovereign ownership that's very digitally native and Mm -hmm. now you can have all of these consumer facing platforms integrate into this database without changing anything about their own database it just allows them to integrate with this other one that can go between like all different platforms like that starts to that this spotify thing kind of is opening my eyes a little bit to how you could see this playing out which has already kind of happened with meta and stuff like that but like the value because with meta it's still like with meta the thing is still around like if you do or don't see value in digital art like i feel like that's a big thing but with this like yeah i feel like any person ever would be like okay that gives yeah, me value the utility options here are, are huge yeah beyond just like owning a piece of art which is so much more like abstract of a concept mm-hmm. that 
Yeah, because then you could see this going in like Apple Music or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. For whatever reason, Spotify integrating it seems so much more legitimizing than any other company. Like, more so than Amazon, more so than Meta, more so. (laughs) I actually don't disagree. I think it's easier with Spotify to, like, get pumped about it because it does very much feel like a support the artist kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas, like, I don't know, with Amazon, it's like you're buying NFTs for some company or something. Yeah, the Amazon thing, we'll see what what the hell happens there. Yeah, that could be cool, too. But I'm just, for, like, the average consumer to see that pop up on Spotify and they're like, I can support my favorite artists, get some sort of benefit here. And then if I don't want these benefits anymore, I can just sell them somewhere else. Yes. That seems like a pretty decent. Yeah value proposition dude that's right really cool yeah the 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 ability to have like a somewhat liquid market too to just like sell the access to these private you know these like this inner fan club like yeah i'm just imagining yeah. like you're on your spotify app and like like okay you know how spotify does the things of like uh the top um amount of listeners or whatever every year so my sister was in like the 0.01 like the 0.0001 percent of chelsea cutler's listeners which is pretty wild of last year yeah that's that's elite i know and so like it would be cool like you know maybe if you're in like the 0.01 you get like uh maybe it's even free yeah maybe it's even like a free collectible or something just because you are already supporting them and that unlocks something on spotify where like you can Mm -hmm. get see like first access to the next track like you can get you can get tracked this is the cool thing because like in a in the discords and the telegrams like there are times where like music is released just there but the problem is that like i'm not listening to my music on telegram (laughs) i'm not listening to it on discord but i am listening to it on spotify so imagine if you had a song like a chelsea color song that was never ever released anywhere else to the public and like the only way you could ever stream it on spotify was if you were in this like 0.01 percent club and you had that collectible or something like that becomes really interesting you know yeah that's that is very cool that yeah I don't know. I just think that's the kind of thing that, you know, maybe doesn't completely turn around people's thoughts on Web3 and blockchain, but it it starts something there. Yeah. Where yes. Very normal people are like, oh, cool. Like, I just got given this free NFT and now I can listen to songs from my favorite artists that never came out. Yeah. Wow. Or they just gave me free money and I'm just going to go sell this thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah, I exactly. Because, I mean, people probably pay and then. I mean, the whole royalty thing, that's a whole different topic. But, like, yeah, it's yeah interesting. Huh, that gets me bullish, not financial advice. Bullish, though. <laughs> I think the que- the thing I'm, I'm curious about... for our first loss. <laughs> I know, from all our listeners. The thing I'm curious about, and we'll talk about it hopefully on further episodes, is what, uh, what chain they're using. Like, is it Polygon? Is it going to be Base? Like, mm. what are they? That would, I'd be very curious about that. But hopefully, I don't know the details on that, but we'll see. I also, again, with them and with Amazon, they, I really am looking forward to see the onboarding process because most people on Spotify probably have never interacted with blockchain. Yeah. So they see that tab pop up. Do they have to go down the rabbit hole of you know setting up a wallet and doing all this stuff? If it, I remember when I set it up, it just feels no, that's brutal. Yeah, no, I very tough and i i feel like they have to come up with some way that just makes it so easy to onboard well have you used like even meta is like starting like i think that's one of the appeals of polygon for these web 2 brands is like they have these fairly 
easy onboarding flows like custodial wallets yeah. like all that stuff because i totally agree. I, I hope with this like i mean maybe it's like a reddit thing where in the background they have some like documentation about why it matters but i hope it's like mm-hmm. nothing really about blockchain at all and it just like uses the underlying utility yeah huh it will be interesting we'll see how it pans out yeah, that's cool um, stuff. Any, anything else you got or no i seamlessly merged my last two stories into <laughs> that, one so. that was impressive that's that i mean you see a lot of cool stuff on this oh podcast but that was definitely top three so far just the word smithery <laughs> out of me today was just truly impressive well, i'm excited to listen back and get us uh get us some listens cool good sash good sash great sash no, no other stories on your end. No, that that was the main thing. I mean, there's a whole thing about Blur and OpenSea and like this this like kind of cutthroat uh, NFT marketplace battle. But let's get into that next time because I'm sure it will continue to update. Okay. okay, okay, okay. Cool. Well, thank you everyone for tuning in. Peace. Another great week. We're sorry for the hiatus, but we're, we're back, back now, baby. baby. <laughs> Peace. Peace.